Hello beauties. Welcome back. It's so good to have you here again. If this is your first time here, my name is JJ and this is a podcast where I talk to interesting people about the things they do and don't do that hurt and other stuff. What a time it is. <laughs> when I'm recording this, there has been earthy quakes, there's been protests where I live in Melbourne, there's been, you know, another week of lockdown and it's hay fever season. I can tell you what, it is good to have this outlet and this conversation to come back to. Today's guest is Maud Leger, a French holistic therapist and yoga teacher who is also studying naturopathy and dear friend of mine. Maud has taught me so much about how to show up in this world, about femininity, meditation, business, and that could be a whole nother conversation. But in this one, she talks about her experience with an eating disorder, shame, self-sabotage, and hiding behind wellness to control rather than heal ourselves. Maud speaks openly about her experience with these raw, somewhat heavy things. And I want you to know if you are or if you have experienced disordered eating, uh, that every case is different and that support is out there. And I know that seems really trite to kind of say, but she talks about how it came to really understanding on a deep spiritual level that that's where we need to go for the healing to occur. And in the show notes, I've got some links to uh, things which have helped me through my relationship with disordered eating and exercise. And I know that, like, I mean, it's a whole shitstorm, uh, especially when we are in this crisis that is a pandemic because all of the outlets that might have kept one feeling good amongst that is uh, kind of we can't access right now and the mirror is really close to our faces and always and I want to let you know that it takes care and courage and compassion and like therapy and all sorts of stuff uh, to go through it. And yeah, well, you know, it's pretty kind of painful stuff, but well, <laughs> I guess that's what I get when I make a podcast asking people what they do or don't do that hurt, right? And uh, now I'm like looking at myself and kind of thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's right. That's that's why you made it because, um, yeah, you, you do quite a few things that hurt yourself, don't you, Joanna? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't we just talk to other people about it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, <laughs> I think that uh, what Maud shows up with is really special and really courageous and um, pretty gritty and, well, yeah, so is life, right? Um, and it's in the darkness that we find the light and it's in this sharing of this darkness that we find the light of realizing that we're not alone and for me hearing someone who I really looked up to and really or still look up to be really open about yeah their stuff their experiences it, it makes me want to 
be like that too. And so although I'm doing a real hack job of this introduction because I'm feeling all sorts of achy shaky in the in the nerves and in the inner world and mind and stuff. Those of you who have said to me you really like it, then I'll keep doing it for you. And thank you so much for being here. So okay, more intro stuff. We also talk about inner and outer ecosystems and crying whilst running. So my friends, it's with care and gratitude that I leave you to this patient, conscious, courageous conversation with Maud Leger. You know, I'm just going to show the people the garden and this is you. So you're my guest. Who are you? Who am I? Yeah. Um, my name is Mood. I'm your friend. I am a person who shares the gifts of yoga and pranayama and Ayurveda and meditation, especially mantra meditation. Um, I am a meditator. I'm a practitioner of yoga. I'm a student of yoga. Um, I'm an auntie and I'm a sister of um, blood sisters and bleed sisters and brothers. I'm French and Australian, I'm Franco-Australian and I'm currently on the land on which I grew up in Northern France. Thank you, that's beautiful. It's something that's the way I start these things off is, is yeah. And, and you're also someone who I chose to be a guest, like mentioned, we're friends, but you're someone that I've definitely learned from a lot and continue to learn and grow from with your, your courage and your transparency and your um, yeah desire to, to grow. And so to kick off the first question of the podcast, if I was to say, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that. And what is like that? Something that you used to do that hurt that you don't do anymore? Um, I mean, two things come to mind and like, they're probably related. I used to numb myself a lot with food, but it was very painful. Physically, it was really painful in my tummy. It was very painful to in, in my head <laughs> and I don't do that anymore it was also painful to identify with someone who is unwell identify with someone who has an eating disorder and I don't identify with it anymore and the second thing is trying to force someone to love me and I don't do that anymore, but I used to do that a lot. Thank you so much for sharing those things. What did that look like? Because I'm sure like I've definitely done that, uh, both the disordered eating, but then forcing someone to love me. So like, I want to know what that looked like for you. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who either are still doing that, but they don't realize that they are mm -hmm. um, 
or they have done that too. So they're probably like, yes, sister, tell me how I'm not alone. Yeah. I mean, I feel like self-sabotaging is just a human disease, you know, and takes different forms. But uh, I, I would say like the percentage of people who do it is way higher than the pe- percentage of people who don't do it. Uh, or don't do it yeah and then it's it's a matter of frequency but to come back to the disordered eating I was only aware of it for a time Um, so I now I'm aware of what triggers it and what it looks like and how you know not to fall back into it for times I knew I had it but I didn't I was trapped in it it was like I was at the bottom of a well and I knew that my, I had to go up where the light was, but I didn't know, like, there was no way for me to get out of it. And there was a time when I was swimming in the well and I was very happy. I was thinking that was bliss. That was like how things were meant to be. And people were sometimes feed, feedbacking to me that, you know, I was getting really skinny or um, mainly that was the thing that my mom was saying, are you sure you need to lose more weight? And that was kind of like a wake up call because otherwise it you couldn't tell. Like, it, you know, it is on an eat and take very different, for me anyway, and I think for lots of people, it takes different stages and it's not always visible in someone's face or someone's body. And, and it can, and it's really linked Again, with my, I, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, so I, you will know better than me, but in my experience, it's also very with anxiety. So people who have anxiety disorder, same thing happened. Like you avoid social uh, gathering, you avoid some, you, you don't answer calls or um, things like that. Like your mind is just constantly turned on. And the main topics, topic of conversation in your mind is about food your body image, your size, and how people view you. It's very external driven and everything that's inside is very numb or very, yeah, it's very turned down. Like it's, it was very hard for me to feel unless I was dancing, running, practicing hot yoga in the room full of 165 to 100 people. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, the subtlety of, and the nuances of emotions and sensations I, I know today in my body, even in my mind, is nothing compared to how I lived my life then, mm. if that makes sense. So, yeah, my mind was so crowded like I felt I describe it now to a level of consciousness that I couldn't see very far I where I couldn't see many colors my my consciousness was very it was much lower than now and I didn't have the capacity to remember things this is one of the first thing that I realized when I overcome most of my disordered eating that I could remember things a lot easier. But things that are silly, like, you know how you get a verification code on your phone when you purchase something or you have to log in onto your, your account or whatever. 
sometimes it's like four numbers or six numbers. It's not hard to remember, but I could not remember this. Like I was, it was, it was a panic inside panic of trying to remember it. And most of the time I could not remember. I didn't have an attention to details. I, I remember I was doing some marketing for a company, but it was just really blurry in my mind a lot of the time. And when I stopped doing this, I mean, it was not like a flick of the finger. It was a long process. But when I realized I was gradually, I gradually started to stop doing this, it was much easier to focus. I had better ideas. I would, I, I, I found solutions a lot quicker, better solutions, um, more creativity, and everything just felt easier. Like I didn't have to try that hard to be in the world. I could just lean back and enjoy. What was it that helped you get to this place? <sighs> Lots of things. Um, yeah, it's not a, it's a, it's a definitely a journey. I had tried many things, psychology, kinesiology, and it had worked to an extent, but I remember one day I was, I was um, running, it was like 1st of January or soon after, and with my friend, and I was telling her, we were talking about intentions and goals. And I was like, you know what? I'm still there. Like I can't, I'm so sick of setting the same goal every year and not achieving it. And I, the only thing I want this year is to free myself from this eating disorder. And, and, and yeah, you touching your heart, but it, it felt like that like that pain there when you know when you you're running very fast and you feel like your lungs are like expanding and a little bit it just felt like that in my heart like this longing I just felt like I just want to free it's like I just wanted to free my heart from my chest and I was like <clears throat> okay I've tried all the things it's not working I was already doing Ayurveda but um I also realized I was hiding behind the health of Ayurveda to control my eating and not as a way to heal myself. But there is something in it that I believed in and it, was, it felt good. So I said, okay, this is a very complex thing. I can't do it on my own. It has different, uh, different aspects and layers. So there's definitely the body and the eating, but it's not the problem. There is something psychology, psychic or, you know, psychologic about, you know, like uh, childhood memories and trauma. And there's something about emotions and probably there's something else. So I said, okay, it's complex. I, I need to, to find like experts on this on these different, that can address these different layers of my being that can help me solve that problem. So I want to see a new psychologist because the psychologist I did see prior to then, a few years back, was French in Australia because I lived in Australia at the time. 
and she had gone to France and she was not taking patient but she referred me on to someone else who was actually just around the corner from me it was a man and I was like oh I'm not sure but I'll give it a go he was also francophone so um no francophile and a little bit francophone but we didn't do the therapy in French so I went to see him and I said this is what's happening I I have an eating disorder I want to understand I want to free myself for it and then I went to see a naturopath specialized in Ayurveda and I said the same thing and of course I was continuing to do yoga and one of the first thing that uh, my naturopath said she said the first thing on the treatment plan was learn to meditate and the meditation it's Vedic meditation so it's also called transcendental meditation which you practice as well and it's a it's a high selling point it felt to me very expensive at the time because I was I was very quite a low income earner and it felt like a big investment for something I didn't know it was going to help me and this is the aspect that I was talking about this missing aspect is the spiritual aspect to the problem so that what that's what meditation is helping it's like it's energetic and spiritual and and I describe it as a as the link or as what binds everything together so anyway I, I had my treat, treatment plan and I had to do a cleanse and lots of things and um rituals of self-love and I was seeing the psychologist and then not very long after because my best friend who I also went on the run with was already practicing that technique and she said look you will never regret it this is what happened to me this is what happened to my husband since we learned to meditate and so I said okay can I do the course and can I pay can I have a payment plan they said of course we just want you to we just want you to learn to meditate like it's not about the money we just want you to learn to meditate so I learned to meditate and from that moment onwards everything felt simpler and, and I know that you know because you, because you did it as well it's so funny because there's a part of me that's like man so I first like I first met you by doing your yoga classes and I kind of idolized I was total Instagram fangirl of you um, because I was looking for classes to teach in Melbourne, just when I'd done my yoga teacher training and then I got really overwhelmed but about the the image of yoga in Melbourne, which was just all these hot women at these hot studios. And I was like, I'm never going to live up to this. I can't do it. And then I found you. You're like strong and beautiful and wise. And then I was like, oh, my God, God. I did your class. And then I wanted to talk to you about transcendental meditation because I was like, what is the hype? Come on. Why is it so expensive? Don't you get bored? Like I'd, I'd really struggle with meditation and you're right. Like it is so easy. And I, I know I'm probably going to sound like we're both brainwashed a little bit, but maybe we are brainwashed because it definitely does clean out your brain bit by bit by bit, but it's a prolonged sustained practice that takes way longer than what you would expect and what you were saying about the way in which it's helped you identify and tune in with the subtleties of emotion 
like that's something I definitely think and the memory it's it is all a benefit and it works on all those different levels it works on the the psychological on the spiritual Mm. on the physiological level yeah full power full power to the meditation yes it's interesting because I have recently started to learn to be a naturopath myself and so it's a French approach and um and not an Ayurvedic approach, even though it's part of what we're studying a little bit. And one of the first thing that the main, the lead teacher said is, is a quote from Hippocrate de Cause. De Cause. Uh, I don't know how do you say his name in English. Hippocrate. Anyway, oh, Hippocrates. Hippocrates. So it's a quote from Hippocrates. <laughs> <laughs> It's a quote, quote from Hippocrates, and it says, I mean, I have it in French, but I'll try to say it in English. If you want to be a good doctor, heal the cause. If you want to be a better doctor, heal the cause of the cause. If you want to be a therapist, heal the cause of the cause of the cause, which is always spiritual. Mm. And that, that's the heart of Vedic healing as well. And that's why it's always it's always about meditating because, and I love how the two, you know, coincide and, and join each other. Is, and it's also what we learn in the yogic text that we have samskaras, we have some uh, unresolved karmic impressions or trauma that are locked in the body, and we need to go to that source to heal the source to, in order to free ourselves. So there is an impression in the mind, in neuroscience, they can see the connections in the mind. And when we meditate, we undo some connections that are disturbing us, that are, do, you know, they are, that are um, influencing us in doing the thing that hurt us that we do. So those connections is off and then we are able to choose consciously new connections so we can co-create our life and do things that are good for us. It's uh, so it's like if you were meditating and the question, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that comes up. You're just like, don't do that or that or that. I mean, yeah, that's... and you and you and you learn to just what to just accept it, to just hold it lovingly. Mm. You know, that's a big part of the healing as well. Is that okay? Right now, I feel like just eating this mindlessly, and I can't control it. I don't have the force to control it. I know that it's not good for me, but I just decide to accept it and go with it and see what happens and that was a stage of my healing so it's a stage of my healing was just to just let myself do the things let myself put on weight let myself um don't do the exercises or don't over exercise or do the things until it will just run its course so just allow allowing to myself to accept what was what, what, what I could control, what I could not control, and then just find detachment. 
And I think this part of the healing is for a lot of people that I have met and talked about that with very hard because you want to control so much how you look. And this part is, and I see photos of myself now and I look nothing like today. You know, my body is not so different, but my face is so different. And you could see from looking at me now that I was not as healthy then. And this is hard because I mean, for, for, for many years, I would look at myself in the mirror and not recognize myself. And that was, that was painful, but I had to like hold myself through this and be like, it's going to pass. It's part of a bigger intention, but I need to go through this real shitty place in order to find my way home. My second question is always, if you were to say, does it hurt when you do that? Do that. So something that is hard, but that is like, we, we need to do this. In some ways, what you were saying is, is that it's like, yeah, it's going to be really hard to let go of the control of this thing and to hold yourself just like when a child is like screaming and throwing a tantrum and all that sort of thing to pick them up and they're fighting you and calling you names, but to hold them and lovingly say, like, I'm here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It makes me think of the other thing that I was touching on earlier with love and men. It's maybe also just, you know, I'm single again now and it's hard just being like, yeah, it's easier to scroll on the app or, you know, like, because we are, pretty much in lockdown here so it's like you can meet anyone in real life but it's easier to engage with someone it's easier to you know go on dates that are unfulfilling anyway than than sitting with the longing you know like every time I run I cry every time I, I, I run I I call on to the person that I want and I'm like where the fuck are you <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to be real open, my heart open, my body open. And then I just cry and I'm like, this is hard. Like, this is really hard. Like, I just, I want to meet you. I was having a similar run. Um, I ended up running for like probably another 30 minutes because I got like caught up on this fantasy. I was like, yeah, and then this is going to happen. And then we're going to go and meet my parents and like all this stuff. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. yeah right between like running is an interesting practice because you go between like invincible and like breaking down (laughs) it's good it's very cathartic but um it's interesting yeah I I think does it hurt when you do that do that in regards to love and belonging it's it it hurts sometimes to be longing for someone and it's that fine balance between you know uh, manifesting and calling on but letting go of the attachment to the result and and sometimes it hurts to be alone or it hurts to be engaging with someone who doesn't feel the same way as you or someone who at the moment I'm more struggling with people who don't want to meet me on the same 
level of intimacy as I want, even if I don't want to be with them for the rest of my life. Mm. But I really feel like I have done so much work on myself that for me it is it feels good and it's in ways in ways easy to be really raw with someone but I've I'm finding it's not easy for everyone on the other side to be raw and that hurts sometimes yeah it hurts mm. to be like oh there's so much more colors we could see together and you are only seeing three colors and giving mm. you to see three colors and I I'm giving you to see all of these colors and unfortunately you you're not seeing them right now and this hurts but this is good because it's helping me to not settle for three colors when I want to see all the colors yeah definitely and then to be on the other side of that in some ways because I feel like I've been the person who you know I've been only wanting to give a couple of colors for me mm. it's been hard to be like actually okay sure like I, I I will try and and open up a little bit more and and then like it's scary as hell but it's definitely worth it yeah I think so I mean on all like it's not just with um romantic partners or sexual partners you know it's no it's with friends it's with family it's with um maybe to an extent with kids you know that you can really invite them to be really raw with you and see how they respond to that and actually they know much better than us how to do it Mm. um it's just a lot natural but so this is one of the thing when it hurts but do it what else I mean doing um I was thinking we had a little hiatus while we were paused and I was like one thing that probably is like does it hurt when you do that do that is the work that you have been doing with anti-racism and like you know unraveling story and culture and colonialism and all that sort of thing because looking at that um is hard and bringing it up with people is hard yeah definitely yeah it's uncomfortable I don't know if it it hurts so much but it's just I think it's just seeing your contradictions and your choices and and for me it was interesting because there there are many stories in one because I have two nationalities so I have what I was given at birth you know, the uh, systemic racism of France and the racism, racist history of France I had not chosen. And then I chose to become Australian. And it was confusing for me then. And I am now understanding more where I stand, but it's like, I'm taking on a black history and a contemporary history of racism and I benefit because I become Australian so I have the right to be on that land that was never ceded never ceded is that how you said in English that was never given there was never mm. any treaties uh, signed and I, I'm also 
white. Um, so I take on the privilege of being white in a, a oppressive country. And um, I, I don't feel like I'm being clear. I think I should start again. That, that explanation. Well, it's clunky. It's, it's clunky altogether, you know. Anytime, anytime I even sometimes asking the question because I'm like, wanting to be able to be more eloquent about this sort of thing but it's it uh, yeah it's it it's definitely clunky so I think that you're doing a great job by even wanting to go there because so many of us are just like ah so as you were wherever you want to pick up all good yeah yeah it is very complex and it feels like when I think about that topic many many boxes open in my mind you know so there's the 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 French heritage and the French racism and 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 the French history I mean France is one of the countries who have colonized the most you know and that was given to me at birth and then three four four years ago I chose to become Australian so that means to, you know, pledge my loyalty to its people, all of its people, even though I know that not all of its people are equal. And that is really hard to reconcile as a first a first generation Australian, because it's a conscious choice. You know, I become Australian, I decide to benefit from the history of colonialism of the black history uh, of the way things are set up that benefit me being white and yeah because I think when you're born in Australia it's like me for France like you have no choice you know you can fight against but you didn't you you were not there to say no whereas I I'm conscious enough to say hey I'm not okay with this. Yes, I'm new to the party. I can relate to the party. I, but as an Australian, it is now my responsibility to fight for equality. And it's interesting also to, to see the ev- evolution in me and also in uh, the my community and my communities in Australia, how people will feel more act- that they are more speaking up now and leading change on their level than before and it's great like you can see how people know more like the aboriginal name of their land and when they go visit or now the australian post has uh, offered to write the uh, native landmarks and that's great but also what's so fascinating with australia is that if you are connected a connected being you can you feel the land you feel mm. you, know, you feel the birds and the colors of the trees and the flowers and the way the the water moves and and then comes a time when you're like you have to connect back to that and pay respect and it's beautiful as for me in my my what has happened to me is that an aboriginal woman gemstone she has given me the power to be part of the solution because she said, this is your land too. You're, we're all indigenous of this 
earth. And in that way, yes, I don't have in my blood the stories and, you know, all the knowledge of Aboriginal people, but I could open myself up to such an extent that I could receive the wisdom of any land. This is because, I mean, everything is in everything and the source is common, uh, is the same. And that's, I think that's what I heard when she said, you know, we all indigenous of this earth and we all have the responsibility to look after it, no matter where you're born, no way where you come from. But if you are going to spend a journey on a land to, yeah, to be respectful. And uh, it's interesting now moving back to France. So the move happened uh, six months ago, which was way after the bushfires and um, <clears throat> Black Lives Matter, which were very interesting waking up calls for different communities around the world, I think. And now, because France has still some territories and uh, overseas regions who were colonized, and it's interesting to observe that some conversations are not taking place the way they're um, are in Australia, I mean, in Australia or New Zealand, it's very close, like New Caledonia, there is a, an issue that of treaties and um, mm. and supremacy of France. Yeah, and that, that just that when people say, white people say, oh yeah, I live in Guyana or I live in New Caledonia. And it's like, it's your birthright to be there without, you know, really understanding who was there before and and how do the people who know this land connect with the land and 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 are you respecting yeah what it's it, i guess it's it's respect but it's also the way you interact with the land and the and the water and and the whole ecosystem what effect is that having when you're no longer on this earth is that is the effect positive? Is the effect going with what was meant to be happening? What you know, the people who have spent thousands and thousands of years learning about the land are uh, are their wisdom living on? I love that, Maud. So good. I don't I don't know that I don't know where enough, uh, but I think it's something that's fascinating and and it those conversations need to happen. Mm. And that's why we're doing it right here. I mean, it's well, I mean so many of this, so many of what we've talked about is also connected, you know. <laughs> And, and I don't know if that is a, a downfall or like a safety mechanism that we as humans try to sometimes compartmentalize things, you know, like I speak to some people and they're like, I would never connect 
oh actually um craig who's been a guest on this podcast he's like i never connect the fact that i ate something as to why i might be feeling a bit weird the next day Mm. or similarly like you know some people might not connect the fact that they haven't seen not a building out the window for a week as to why they might be feeling stressed people we don't always have the the uh, the consciousness or even the time or slow down to realize like oh I was staring at a screen for so long yesterday that's why I'm grumpy now or whatever mm. and you know coming back to land coming back to source or god or divinity or whatever it is within yourself or around you as I guess being the foundation stone to to everything it's pretty neat that we are able to talk about this and and realize it and learn it and share it Mm. yeah I think it it might be sounding a little bit um naive or easy you know for indigenous people to be hearing this conversation Mm, for sure (laughs) yeah just open yourself to consciousness and then you will know but but this wisdom was was taught and passed on but it's it was I think it was not learned in the way we know we understand what learning means it was learned by listening deeply so in that way it's the same thing as yoga it's just the seers that they are putting themselves in such a deep listening that the wisdom that is inherent in everything comes to their consciousness and I guess that's what I'm trying to say with this connection to learn and that's what you were saying that at the at the at the the core of everything is is consciousness or a source that is undivided undivisible and then it it expresses itself in all of these these different ways and shapes and textures and colors in nature and if we can observe and that's why farming and gardening is so amazing if you observe the way nature think the way you know, different species, flora and fauna interact or flora together and fauna together without having means to write or to speak, to using words, is amazing. You know, like they know how to do it. They know why they're here, how it works, how they can help each other how they can interact in such an organized, harmonious way. And then Mm. if we can put ourselves more into that deep listening in our modern world, then we realize that we are exactly the same. Not only do we have an inner ecosystem that runs itself beautifully, that works very well if we let it do its thing, but that we are also part of a bigger ecosystem and now we have a very unique role to play. And if we surrender, surrender to that, which we can call dharma, then everything is so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And maybe so, there is no hurting at all in that space. You know, it's not a question of does it hurt, do it or not do it. It's like, it just is. 
and there is no right or wrong there is just this place that is not mm. right nor wrong but just is and um exciting to be able to get there at least like once a day twice a day once a week mm. Mm. so if you were to have a billboard that played out or a little notification that came up on everyone's phone or a little voice that kind of came into people and they were peeling their banana and then there was a message inside of it for everybody in the world, what would it be? <sighs> and when it comes to me, I'll just say without thinking mm. about me before, and this is what I just did, just exhale. Mm. Yeah. In these moments where you're trying to find the solution, you're seeking, you're trying to hurt, just exhale and then and then go on. Thank you so much. Or exhale more. <laughs> exhale more, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Hi, you're so welcome. What how yeah. amazing to connect on the other side of the world. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it is, there's so many, there's so many ways in which we are privileged to be able to be doing this. Um, yeah. The connection, the access to technology and the the knowledge and the education that we've both had to get us to this point. It's been really nice to, to for you to share these little seeds for us to, to think about and, and germinate and care about. Mm. Is there anything else that you want to share? Um, for eating disorder, uh, top tips. I mean, sham is the big, big, I don't know what to say. It's like, it's just preventing you from being yourself. And um, everyone feels shame in ways or another. Everyone who has an eating disorder feels shame for people to find out. So if you're feeling that you have disordered eating or you have you're very at war with your image and and you more in self-hate than self-love then i would say and you are aware of it that's already a big step to be aware and ask for help and tell someone you trust and start to, to be seen for this and it's I mean you, you can overcome it you can overcome it yeah with some pain with, with some work but it's so worth it I mean it's so worth it I'm so so grateful for to have had those difficult times of trying to find a way to free myself because I have so much more energy I have so much more love to give like the way I hold myself now in care and love is like would have been unbelievable to the first person who said that to me was an ex-boyfriend I was 25 and he said hey, do you, have you ever said I love you to yourself and I was like of course not <laughs> what a weird thing to do and how narcissistic of you to do that but it was so beautiful for him to care enough to you know to offer that as an option for me because I had no nice words for myself. And now, you know, I am able to give gratitude to who I am and on all of these different levels. It's not just physical. And, and then it comes a point where actually the physical doesn't matter. Like 
I rarely, I think, I rarely do, actually never do I say, oh, I'm so grateful I look good. I never, I've never said that actually. <laughs> I just say, I'm so grateful I digest well. I'm so grateful I feel strong. I'm so grateful I can hold pinch in my ass on arms. So grateful I feel strongly when I hug someone I love. I'm so grateful I can see, you know, just on the body thing, that it's also like I'm so grateful for other things that are part of me that no one can see. But anyway, just to say that it's uh, it's an yeah, self-love is is a big thing and and it can sometimes you see on Instagram it can be like, oh whatever. It can be like this kind of fat thing or bit of fluff you know Mm, mm. it's fluff if you don't feel it but if it's meaningful and intentional it's it's powerful because all of your thoughts have a yeah make an impression in your karmic life so you know before I was only having hateful words so of course I was not doing very well just slowly over time giving yourself love and asking for help and just going with you know also I understand that maybe for me this learning was that many years and for some people it's a, a lifetime and it's okay it's also there's nothing wrong with you if you are listening to this and you're 45 and you're struggling with something like that it's just also really accepting our path um it takes as long as it takes as long as we work we have a practice of becoming like we don't sit back and we're not like we are still the driver of our life you know maybe it doesn't Mm. we don't drive ourselves to nice places very far or we don't you know we we don't go very fast but as long as we are deciding we're making choices it's not someone else who is taking us Mm. yeah choosing to get in the car Mm. even if you only back it out of the driveway sometimes it's the hardest part thank you so much for this chat oh it's late you need to go to sleep in france Um, yeah i love and appreciate you ward Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with me this week. For this podcast to continue, I could really use your support. If you enjoyed the episode, please screenshot it and put it on your social media, send the episode to your friend or family. And if you can click subscribe to the episodes, they'll fall into your algorithm like your old friend JJ popping into your ear every week. I appreciate it so much. And as well as listening to this podcast, you can just keep on listening to your own wisdom by asking the questions, big and small, like, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that.